the Holy Family Chapel Hill podcast, where you will find our weekly sermons, as well as the occasional reflection, conversation, or interview. We are glad you are here. Welcome. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. As we finish out our journey through Genesis, today's reading is the climax of the story of Joseph. Now, at this point in the story, there is famine throughout the land. Joseph is Pharaoh's chief agricultural policymaker, having worked to store up grain for seven years to provide for seven years of famine. The famine has a far reach, even to Canaan, where Jacob sends 10 of his sons to get grain in Egypt. Joseph encounters his brothers when they arrive, and here, on the third meeting, Joseph reveals his identity, which he had intentionally kept hidden to this point, and offers his brothers forgiveness for selling him into slavery. Getting to the point of slavery, however, took Joseph time. In fact, he schemes against his brothers twice in order to learn what is going on back home in Canaan, especially whether his brothers have mistreated Benjamin, who is the youngest of the twelve, and Joseph's only full brother, who then became became Jacob's favorite following Joseph's enslavement and faked death. Joseph sends the ten back to Canaan to bring Benjamin alive to Egypt, and then tries to embarrass the ten by attempting to send them back without Benjamin, by making it look like Benjamin stole silver from him. Once again, they'd have to explain to Jacob that he will not see his favorite son again. Even in the scheming and plotting, we can see the buildup to Joseph forgiving his brothers. After each interaction, Joseph returns to his private quarters and weeps. There are moments of compassion when, for example, Joseph secretly has his servants put all of his brother's monies back in the sacks that they came with, full of grain, when they came to Egypt for the first time, giving them their food for free. When they come back for a second time, he throws a lavish party for them. And so I think it's clear that Joseph still loves his brothers, but is uncertain about how much to trust them. The breaking point for Joseph is when there is a clear demonstration of wrongdoing. Judah, who is the fourth-born son and first proposed murdering Joseph, tells Joseph to imprison him over Benjamin when Joseph is trying to keep Benjamin in Egypt. Judah, in this moment, resigns himself finally to the problematic family dynamics of favoritism, knowing what returning without Benjamin will do to Jacob and offers himself in his place. In this act of sacrifice, Joseph can no longer remain the anonymous Egyptian official, but reveals himself as their brother and forgives them. 
Forgiveness for us is a necessary practice. Forgiveness, asking for it, and giving it is one of the primary ways that we restore our relationships with each other and also with God. To ask for, to give, and receive forgiveness provides us a means by which sin can no longer keep hold in our lives. However, forgiveness can sometimes be easy, and other times is really hard. There is a whole calculation for how we go about offering forgiveness. It depends on what has been done wrong, who has committed the wrong, and what in the relationship was broken. It also matters if it's happened before. Intentionality and motivation for actions also facilitate how and when we offer forgiveness. And, of course, whether a person realizes that they have sinned against another matters. But to withhold and deny forgiveness damages our relationships. The pain of any given action committed against us builds up and eats away at us. It frequently moves beyond those who are involved and impacts how we interact with the world more broadly. It keeps us planted in a particular moment in time, stuck in a vision of a person and of an event. We are often like Joseph, failing to trust others that they recognize the wrong and have a contrite heart. We put our friends and our family members and our co-workers and others through a series of hoops to see whether they are adequately sorry. Sometimes our forgiveness is even half-hearted, where we offer it and don't really mean it. Our forgiveness is often deeply conditional, and it takes us time to get there. God, of course, is not like this. God is not like us. God is quick to forgive and does not put us through a whole rigmarole to see whether we have learned our lessons. God's forgiveness comes without conditions. And with this unconditional forgiveness, God longs for us to go and sin no more, as Jesus says on several occasions. This is not to say that God is not with us as we go through the unfolding of forgiveness. Like Joseph, we find ourselves in situations that are not of our own choosing or making. Like Joseph, we find ourselves in situations that cause us great harm, that destroy our lives as we know it. And like Joseph, we look for and find God in the midst of it all, because God knows that we are not like God. And so God walks with us. God gives us the spirit to move and dwell in us, so that we can move towards restoring and being in right relationships with others and with God, so that our lives and relationships can flourish. Without God, our forgiveness is imperfect and temporary, but with God, forgiveness allows us restoration, freedom, and liberation from sin. This, of course, is not to say that we do not sin or that we do not turn around and harm others in the same way that we have been harmed. This is what Joseph does. While this story from the lectionary is the climax of Joseph's story, it is not the end. 
We are only in year two of the famine, and there are five more to go. And so Joseph engages in a kind of eminent domain, seizing up all of the farms in Egypt for Pharaoh to ensure that there is enough food. In doing so, he creates a new class of slaves, slave labor overseen by the government, a system that would later set up the enslavement of his descendants. Like Joseph, we turn around and treat people the way that we don't want to be treated and in ways that have caused harm to us. We reinforce and reenact the social hierarchies and economic structures we ourselves have been subjected to. We will forgive a friend for gossiping about us, but then turn right around and spread rumors about them or another person. We will march in a pride parade, but tolerate the transphobic family member at the holidays. Like Joseph, we are confronted with the impacts of sin and forgiveness at interpersonal and structural levels, our actions often sitting in contradiction. But God is not like this. God is never in contradiction with God's abhorrence of sin and God's love for humanity. Joseph reveals to us the challenge of go and sin no more, but also God's faithfulness to his people. In the coming weeks, we will see how God frees the Israelites from the legacies of Joseph's system of slavery through the Exodus. Like Moses, we participate in God's work in the world to redeem and overcome the different ways sin operates in our lives and in our world. God draws us to God's self as we ask for forgiveness, as we repent, and as we turn towards God again and again and again. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find out more about the Church of the Holy Family at holyfamilychapelhill.org. Thanks for listening, and join us again next week. Peace be with you.